0: It's Wednesday, so you've got me. I'm Carousel Baird. Hey, you can listen to me any day of the week. You can listen online at wrtfm.org, at the A Public Affair podcast, or on the WORT smartphone app. If you like what you hear, click the donate button and support community media. Your donation makes a huge difference. Six foot six above sea level. I grabbed the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low no power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground. We bring the Hello everybody. The Welcome. It's Wednesday, so that means you've got me. I'm Carousel Baird, and I wanna remind you, you are listening to a public affair on volunteer-powered listener-sponsored community. Radio WORT 89.9 FM Madison. We have a fabulous show lined up today. We have been talking, of course, nonstop about the elections that are happening here in Wisconsin. Election week just uh, coming up seven days away, uh, six days away, I guess, next week, Tuesday. But in all this conversation about what's happening on the state and federal level, I want to bring us back to the important things that are happening every day, and that's the amazing role that local government plays. Today, we're going to talk about the City of Madison budget and the Dane County budget. We have two guests joining us today, and we're going to split the show in half to talk about really what's happening on local government. Of course, my favorite place where all fabulous things happen. Let's get the show started. For the first half of the show, we have Dane County Executive Joe Parisi joining us. Hi, Joe. How are you doing? Hey,
1: Carousel. Good to be here.
0: It's great to have you. So let's sort of start big picture this year, the Dane County budget. um, I love saying the numbers because it helps (laughs) remind us, though, how much work that we do. $834 million in the proposed 2023 Dane County budget. Can you break down the budget for us and sort of give us a big picture understanding of the great work that we do in the county?
1: Yeah, thanks Carousel for having me on. I appreciate it. And as you know, county government really touches most people in some ways that folks are aware and others that they're not. Um, We're involved in so many different things. You know, right now, you know, heading into the next year, we're still kind of on the tail end, hopefully, um, and dealing with issues, you know, brought on and certainly exacerbated by the pandemic. We were certainly front and center during the pandemic. And a lot of the work we did during the pandemic we're continuing to do on a couple of levels that are, that are really important. We're looking at people's basic needs. Um, one of the things we saw during the pandemic was, you know, a lot of folks who are experiencing homelessness um, being put in pretty vulnerable situations and more folks experiencing ho- homelessness because of the challenges brought on by the pandemic. And as you know, we started a program and then we're fortunate enough to get uh, federal dollars to continue this program to move people who were experiencing homelessness into hotels um, during the pandemic. And we focused on folks who were most susceptible to, you know, to, to COVID, who had underlying conditions, um, health conditions, who were elderly, families, et cetera. And at the peak, we had over 400 individuals and families in hotels. Wow! And we have managed to move half of those folks um, into permanent housing, and we'll continue those efforts. Um, we also are working with, with federal relief dollars to continue um, rental subsidies, to help people um, in need of, of help with their rent. And all of that programming will continue on into the next year. Another piece of, of, of action that we took, you know, again, coming with basic human needs was around food. Um, as folks recall, when the, when the pandemic hit, supply chains almost instantly fell apart in both directions, right? It was harder for us to get food here A lot of people lost their jobs it was also hard for our local farmers and growers to get their food to market because you know restaurants are closing down etc and so we had this perfect storm that was not not a good thing on, on, on any level for any any part of that so what we did during the pandemic is we created a program we call farm to food bank we kind of reinvented the model for food banks to connect our local growers and farmers to our local food banks and food pantries and create our own supply line and our own supply chains. And we've pumped millions of dollars into this and we really need to do it like a year in advance because farmers need to know what to plant, when to plant it, because they have to plan ahead. And we've literally, after talking to a lot of growers, you know, we've literally kept a number of local growers in business because we created new n- new, new, sources for them to get their fo- their food to people locally who needed it from the food pantries and we saw yeah we saw the population of people needing that explode also so that program has been in place and we thought we could start winding that down as we get further from the pandemic but then inflation came Hmm. and what we're seeing now in many cases in local food pantries we're seeing more people needing help than we did at the peak of the pandemic. So part of my budget is putting another $6 million into the Farm to Food Bank program to extend it through 2023 so we can continue to help people get that food that they need and help get the, get the growers that certainty. Um, and again, this, this results in more fresh, nutritious local food for people, more resiliency in our local food system. Um, and then we also have a million and a half in the budget for the River Food Pantry because they have outgrown where they're going to be. And we wanna be a partner where they where they are, and we want to be a partner in helping them address their capacity. Well, so, Joe, yeah. I
0: I love the conversation about um, the food pantry and the, and working with the farmers because I think that highlights what's so unique about county government is that we're not just cities, we're not just rural communities, we're Mm -hmm. all of it all together. And you have this ability to really connect communities that people think have nothing in common, but really have this amazing relationship to each other that that the county government has done a great job bringing together.
1: Yeah, and that's why we're uniquely situated. You're spot on, because we do have a greater territory. We aren't as constrained by boundaries. And, you know, and, and we do, we have when we're allowed to focus on what we have in common, we have so much in common. You know, I, I live in the city of Madison, I'm an East sider, um, but I'm standing out in the middle of of, 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 of vegetable farms, of cornfields, fields, interacting with our farmers and our growers. And we all want the same thing, right? We all want to live our lives. We care about our families. The farmers want to feed us. We have folks who need nutritious food, who want nutritious local food. So you know, out of this crisis and the challenges is also born opportunities for us to connect in a way that I think a lot of us are yearning to right now. And again, we reap the benefits of the resiliency of that local system that that creates.
0: That's fabulous. That's fabulous. All right. I interrupted you. Tell us more about the big picture vision of the work that you're doing.
1: Sure. Okay. So maybe I'll just, I'll, I'll, Touch really briefly on kind of three major categories, and then which, however, you want to delve into this, um, uh, we, we we can go there. Perfect. So, um, criminal justice reform. Um, criminal justice reform is something we've been focused on and working on, and making a lot of progress. Now, we control what we control, right? There's a lot we don't control at the state level and at, at the at, at the federal level, um, but there are a lot of things we can do locally, and we have a lot of um, programs aimed at reentry, helping people after they after they leave jail. Um, return to the community. We have programs at, at diversion, you know, drug, you know, drug treatment instead of prison. We have community restorative court that helps people avoid jail and helps them address, you know, the challenges that got them in the place they're at. So as we continue our push for criminal justice reform, I felt it was important to focus all of the various projects and initiatives and all the energy that right now is spread out over a few different departments into one area and elevate it and give criminal justice reform the status that it really needs and deserves. So my budget creates an entirely new department of criminal justice reform and equity. And this will bring all of this programming under one roof, it'll give it additional resources. It'll give it, you know, the the, the power of a standing department, um, you know, to to, to be on the cutting edge and be doing the work that's necessary. Um, And some of the initial things they're gonna be working on, we're creating um, a position to to explore and start a pilot of having a community court. Now, a community restorative court that some people are familiar with is kind of a peer-to-peer court. It's for certain offenses that people can come in and you know, work with, a, with, you know, work with you know, peers from the community to create a more positive path forward. A community court, on the other hand, is for, for people in situations who do have to appear before a judge but what it does is it brings the court into the community, literally. Yeah. It's less intimidating. It's easier to get to. And not only is there a judge at the court you know, you know, when, when it's court time, there are also people there um, with, with, with counseling backgrounds, AOTA backgrounds, mental health backgrounds, education, job training. And the goal of community court is to avoid a jail sentence and get a person the help they need to get back on track. And that's just one of the new initiatives that we're looking at. So criminal justice reform is going to be front and center, as is um, mental health. Now now the, the careful thing we, we need to talk about with mental health is their mental health supports have a really important place in helping divert people who shouldn't be going to jail or shouldn't necessarily have a law enforcement respond to their challenge. Um, you know, and could be more appropriately served by a mental health professional. Absolutely. That, the, the piece I want to be careful about is sometimes the mental health issue is used as an excuse by certain folks to say, well, we don't need, you know, reasonable gun control. We don't need, you know, you, you know to, do, to do the right thing to keep our kids safe in school. Right? It's all a mental health issue. No, 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 no. <laughs> you know, to blame mass shootings and gun violence on people with mental health is, is, is not only wrong, it just further stigmatizes Um, the whole issue. So just to put that aside a little bit. So what we want to focus on is people who need some help and could benefit from a mental health professional, but the resources aren't there as we speak. And so sometimes the only resource to send is law enforcement and law enforcement doesn't think that's right. Nobody does. So one of the programs we've put forward in this budget is a new partnership um, with the sheriff's office by which we will put mental health, civilian mental health professionals, not sheriff's sure um, deputies or, or um, folks with guns or uniforms, but mental health professionals embedded at each of the four sheriff's precincts. And they will also have civilian vehicles. And these will be folks who we contract with from mental health providers. And so when the right calls come, because in Madison, we have the the CARES pilot, you know, that's providing help like that to people in the city of Madison, but in rural areas, it's tougher. Yeah. And so what, what this will do is it will provide an alternative when someone calls in and there's a, there, there, there's a case that can and should be handled by a mental health professional, that person can hop in their car and drive out and deal with that case. No law enforcement needs to be involved. If there's a case where there's something dangerous happening and it does require um, a, a sheriff's deputy to respond and there's also a mental health component, that embedded mental health professional can also jump in their civilian car and accompany the sheriff's deputy to help de-escalate and hopefully take over in the situation. So we want to make sure that people who need the appropriate help get the appropriate help.
0: Well, and I love that I love that you are creating a department just to focus on this because you're right when there's a department head and someone whose sole job is to l- look at this and coordinate it really rises to the level that, of the attention that it needs. And yeah. I want to point out something that I got to, you know, be a part of right at the end of my tenure that you're continuing on now, which is funding for the Crisis Triad Center that yeah. goes along with mental health. That there, there is an alternative, not only alternative responders, but also an alternative place because someone in a mental health crisis, we. have right? We were hit with you either go to jail sometimes or nowhere. And because of the now crisis triage center, there is an alternative location. And th- that's still moving forward on this budget as well. Yes.
1: Yeah. So as you mentioned, I put $10 million in the 2022 budget um, to, you know, do, do an initial study to look at acquiring a property to create a tri- crisis triage center. So, so for folks who are listening who aren't familiar with it, what a crisis triage center want, would be is, as Carol Carousel said, a place for people to actually go, right? We need people out to help people, but if they need emergency treatment, if they're in crisis, but maybe they don't need inpatient treatment, they can go to the crisis triage center rather than go to a jail. They can spend t- up to 23 hours there while they're working with a professional to help assess and address their needs and then figure out if there's someone else that they could be referred to for help. And the ultimate goal again, is for someone who's having a mental health crisis to not have to have the jail as you know, one of the only local options for that person to be, because everyone agrees that that's unacceptable. And so my, my, my current budget proposal in 2023 puts another million and a half there to start moving forward with an RFP to begin a phased in approach to be able to put together the staff and the plans to open that, you know, in conjunction with 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 finding the appropriate building. So, again, not only do we need people in the community to be there for folks, we need, we need resources for them. We need places for them to go to get the help that they need.
0: And, Joe, I'm going to, only because you know I love all this great work on criminal justice reform, I'm going to flag one more thing that I see in the budget that I think is worth, you know, mentioning is specifically having funding for services for um uh people of color and to ensure that you know we understand people of color are dealing with different levels of trauma and different levels of need and different levels of trust of of the systems that we're we're trying to reach out to them and acknowledging that they need extra attention and services that uh isn't always what's available. That's so great. Yeah.
1: Yeah, We need culturally competent people um, to be able to respond to, to, to different, to different needs in the community. So I think Carousel, you're, you're, you're maybe pointing to the partnership between Anesis and Journey Mental Health to create the BIPOC Mental Health Coalition.
0: I think that's it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Anesis, as you know, is, is a, is an amazing, um, you know, and growing Um, um, player in the local mental health community providing culturally competent services, um, you know, uh, uh, mostly to the African-American community. And I don't know what we would do without them. And Journey has hired um, Armando Hernandez, who is a longtime mental health professional, um, to coordinate their their, um, diversity issues. And so together, Journey and Anesis are creating this coalition to reach out and to create the system that we need to be able to respond you know, in a more culturally competent um, manner. Um, you know, I, should, I should mention also, in addition to creating that and some other things I could mention in and, and the new um, committee, or excuse me, the new, the new department, I put a half million dollars in the budget to be determined um, for additional, because as you know, when we set up a, a department, we set up a framework and we get people in there, we point them in the right direction, but they also need resources. So there's mm-hmm. an additional half million dollars to enact in new new programming um, that that the board sees fit, that the department sees fit, um, that we can all work on together. Um, and I can give you one example of something. And this I funded yeah. separately, so it wouldn't need to come from the half million. So there's an organization in town that you know actually helped bring bring to town um, uh, several years ago called Project Big Step. So a Project Big Step is is it's an organization that helps people navigate the building tr- construction trades you know, apprenticeship pipelines, right? Because every trade has a different apprenticeship program, a different way of getting in, and it can be rather daunting to, to navigate that, especially if you're not familiar with it. So P- Project Big Step is a one-stop shop run by the um, building trades unions that people can come to to figure out if they're interested in a trade and what that might be. I want to be an electrician, I want to be a laborer, I want to be, you know, you, you name it. And then they help people plug into an apprenticeship program. And as you know, apprenticeship programs not only don't cost you money, they pay you as you're learning. And these are great career paths. I yes. mean, my dad is an construction worker. It's, 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 a, it's a great trade and it provides, you know, nice family supporting wages. Now, one of the, the benefits, one of the nice things about this is you don't get discriminated against, you know, for mistake necessarily, like like, like in a lot of other, you know, employment situations for mistakes you may have made. So for formerly incarcerated people, um, the trades are one really good opportunity. And so we in this budget have money to partner, um, create a partnership between um, our jail reentry teams and Project Big Step to help pe- present Fantastic. this option to people if they're interested, you know, who are at the jail. And so when they get out, here is a path that pays you money right away, that gets you into the pipeline to get you into, you know, a really good professional um, career. And so we we look at those type of projects along with providing the support people might need to find housing, you know, AOTA, et cetera. The more wraparound we can be to help people, um, the better. So yeah, so there's some exciting, real tangible stuff in this budget to hopefully help us continue to make some progress.
0: That's fantastic. We're talking right now with Joe Parisi. He's the Dane County Executive, and we're talking about the 2023 Dane County budget. If you want to join the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at area code 608-256-2001, extension 9. Um, All right, Joe, I know an issue that, you know, we talked about criminal justice near and dear to my heart, an issue that you have been a champion on uh, from the from the second you took over as county executive is uh, environmental reform and environmental justice. Talk to us about the work um, that the Office of Energy and Climate Change is doing. um, And that's an office that you helped create. Um, Talk to us about initiatives uh, for environmental work in the budget.
1: Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Carousel. It's really great to be able to talk about this. And I wanna thank everyone listening because this community is why we're able to do this work because this community supports us in doing work to address climate change, um, resiliency and prevention. And a lot of folks, you know, they don't get that kind of support back home. And so we're really proud of what we've been able to accomplish. So over the past several years, we A, we created an Office of Energy and Climate Change we have invested millions of dollars in energy efficiency, which has already paid for itself in not only dollars, but carbon re- CO2 reduction. Um, we now have 17 solar arrays on various county facilities, including the largest, which is a partnership out by the airport with MG&E, um, which is an eight megawatt um, um, solar field that we didn't have to put any money into. mg developed it. We said we'll buy all the electricity. We even leased them the land. So we make money off leasing the land. That alone supplies 40%, offsets 40% of the, the electricity use um, of Dane County government. And because of that wow. one project, we save over $100,000 a year on our electric bill. And then the even more exciting news is we are building another one as we speak that's twice as big out in the town of Cottage Grove and when that goes online in 2023, this January, Dane County will be the first community in the, the first county in the state and one of only a few in the nation to offset 100% of our electricity use in, in county government with renewable electricity. And we're That's really amazing. proud of this. Yeah, yeah, we've been doing a lot of good work. And we're not resting on our laurels though, because our next goal, and I see goals, is to be beaten, not meeting. Um, I mean, because, you know, for example, our goal was to be 100 percent offset by 2025. We're going to do it in 2023. Our next goal is to be 100 percent carbon neutral by 2030. And we have a lot of exciting plans and ways to get there. Now, that's different, of course, than renewable offset because, you know, carbon comes from a lot of places other than your electricity. Right. We have vehicles, we have buildings, et cetera. So, what we're doing there, and I think I have like about two minutes, right, Carousel, So I'll try to a,
0: a couple more minutes. We end at twelve thirty five, but yes.
1: Oh, okay, good, good. So a, a couple of the ways we're doing that is, okay, so we have our renewables, we have our efficiency. So one of the exciting things that we've done around kind of vehicle emissions is we have a landfill, and carousel knows about this we take the methane gas that's generated in our landfill and folks who pay attention know that methane is an extremely powerful greenhouse gas and it's critical that that is addressed right up front because the good bad news about methane is while it's v- much more potent than co2 it's shorter lived in the in the environment so for our short term goals in order to address the co2 piece it's 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 really it's really important so what we're doing there is we extract that and a few years ago, we built a um, uh, a plant um, for about 28 million dollars at the landfill that takes that methane, cleans it, and compresses it, and turns it into renewable natural gas that can be used as a transportation fuel. Fantastic! And we do things with that. Right now, we fee- we fuel over 100 of our county vehicles with RNG. Now, and most of those vehicles are those big orange trucks that you see plowing snow and doing highway work. So these are trucks that get like four or five miles a gallon and burn diesel fuel. Now, diesel fuel is also about almost six bucks a gallon right now. (laughs) Our renewable natural gas costs us the equivalent of a buck and a half a gallon. It displaces tons of of, of CO2 emissions and no more burning of diesel fuel. Um, So in addition to that, we take what's left over that we that we um, clean and compress and we we sell it into the inter, the interstate natural gas pipeline and because of the money that we're saving the money that we get for the gas and then renewable energy credits that we get for creating this we are literally profiting several million dollars annually on this venture so the wow. the, the plant will have paid for itself in a few years and then all that money comes back to the taxpayers and so when you look at what we're doing with renewable natural gas, when you look at what we're doing with solar and efficiency, we're, we're beyond that argument, way past that argument of, you know, environment versus the economy. Now they're both one and the same. We're reducing CO2 and we are saving millions of tax dollars um, because of the projects we're doing. So the, the question now becomes for to folks who aren't doing this in other, other counties, other communities is why aren't you doing right. this? Right.
0: Right. You, so you, you've proven really, the right. fiscal responsibility of being yeah. environmentally conscious.
1: Yes. And again, that that local like sustainability and that, and, and that reliability of having these local sources of 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 fuel. That's, you, you know, so it's it just makes sense on every level. So we're we're not only doing what we're doing here um, because it's the right thing to do. You know, we're spreading the gospel across the state and literally across the nation and showing other people what we've done, how we've done it. We give about 150 tours a year at the landfill. And right now there's actually a county in Illinois that, you know, because of what we did and learning from us, they are going to start extracting their methane from their landfill, too. So that's really exciting that we're a national leader. Um, That's fantastic.
0: That's fantastic. Well, Joe, in our final minutes here, I do want to ask one quick question. I really appreciate you. We've talked about criminal justice. We've talked about the environment. We've talked about housing and um, work um, for housing stability. And I wanted just to talk about the COLA increase, cost of living increase, because the county works with so many partners, so many different nonprofits. And if you can just Mm -hmm. touch on that for a moment, acknowledging the challenges that are uh, workers are facing across the county.
1: Yeah. So uh, pe- what? a lot of people may or may not realize is a lot of the county work that's done is 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 in partnership with local nonprofit organizations. I, I mentioned Anisis. We were talking about the YWCA, Journey Mental Health, Rainbow, um, Central Hispano, Urban League, on and on and on. All these amazingly important community partners. And anyone who's worked in nonprofit world, my wife worked in nonprofit world her entire career. Know that they don't call it nonprofit for nothing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it is slim. It yep. is it is difficult. Um, and you know, it's you know, folks who do this work, they're they're saints. They they they're not making a ton of money. They're not getting great benefits, and they're just trying to do the right thing and help the community. But it's been getting tougher and tougher um, for folks to survive. So in this budget, um, I provided a nine percent. Um, cost of living adjustment for all of our local nonprofits just to help them get through these times because everyone including you know their their costs of of running their vehicles and buying food and paying for gas hasn't gone down either it's gone up so we value our community partners and we're really made it a priority to help show them that so that they can continue doing the good work that, that they do.
0: Fantastic. Well, Joe, it's been wonderful talking with you. Um we don't we need to have you on more often, but it's it's great to hear about all the uh important work that you're doing on Dane County uh and to hear the details of the 2023 budget and it, um if I'm right the the schedule is it goes to the full county board for a vote next week Monday, is that right? Yeah.
1: Okay? Yep. So, hopefully we're, we'll be there soon and we can get back to work implementing the the good work that we that we put in
0: there. Fantastic. Thanks so much for joining us today, Joe, and all the great work that you're doing.
1: Thanks for having me. It was great to see you.
0: Joe Parisi, Dane County Executive Uh, talking to us about the 2023 budget for Dane County here in our lovely Dane County, Wisconsin. And I want to remind everyone, you are listening to A Public Affair on WORT 89.9 FM Madison. We're going to dive now into the second half of our show. We're going to talk about the City of Madison budget, and we have Madison Common Council President Keith Furman joining us. Hello, Keith.
2: Hi, Carousel. Thanks Thanks for having me.
0: It's great to have you, and I'm going to Say a quick fun thing. Um, This is the geek kind of household that I live in. Guess what I did for Halloween? We were outside handing out candy and on our phones was... You and your, all your colleagues talking. We were watching the Common Council because that's the kind of people we are in my household. So
2: <laughs> We had some interesting discussions on Monday. I yeah. hope you enjoy hearing them.
0: We did. We did. But I want to thank you for all the work that you do. I mean, the meetings are intense and, you know, detailed and you have to be so knowledgeable and versed about all the things the city is doing. So thank you to you and your colleagues for all the work that you do on the city council. Um,
2: appreciate that. Yeah. We have obviously also have a great, great staff in the city that makes uh, makes the do. job a little bit easier, but, but it certainly is a lot of stuff.
0: Absolutely. Um, well, so let's sort of start big picture, Keith. Can you talk to us about the big picture, what's in the operating budget and the increases this year, um, the, city operating budget is 381.9 million one of the biggest increases in spending we've seen in a long time what are your thoughts on that
2: our budget's a challenge um, you know I think one of the things that our finance department has told us over and over again um, is that our costs are growing faster than our allow allowed revenue um, and uh, since I've been alder, uh, that's that's something that's really weighed on me is our structural deficit um, you know, whether, whether we just continue services as is, um, you know, we're going to see um, high increases on our costs um, versus what the state allows us to raise and, and the state gives us in shared revenue. Um, so this this particular budget is kind of a, as a as a weird one. Um, we're still uh, very much um, relying on federal funding um, to cover gaps. Um, if you look at uh, one of the things we had talked about on uh, at our finance meeting on Wednesday, is the city has had to figure out all sorts of creative ways, yeah, in order to 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 deal with increased costs and and the inability to raise revenue. And so when you look at kind of the increases this year, there are some interesting things going on. Um, you know we have um, uh, some increases in our budget related to a one-time bonus for employees, um, but that's actually coming out of a special insurance surplus fund. Um, so it's not um, necessarily money we could have spent on something else. Um, and so that that has helped drive up the cost. Um, we do have money that's going towards a 2023 homeless shelter. Um, so we're um, uh, uh, that that that's passed through through um, ARPA funds. Um, debt services, obviously, is big um, uh, in in the um, executive budget. There was um, a raise of uh, uh, for for our employees. Um, finance committee uh, increased that re- uh, that percentage raise even more on Monday. Um, and there's some great programs, such as uh, you know, uh, expansion of cares, um, young young uh, adult uh, employment, um, and and re- reproductive health services, um, and and. Um, We've been a little bit lucky with uh, 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 Metro getting some federal funds that have helped us um, uh, balance the budget. Um, But I think uh, future years are going to be very, very challenging.
0: It's good to sort of keep that all in perspective as while we're celebrating and appreciating the work that's going to being done now. I appreciate that it's and then what does this mean for future years? It's, It's a short term and a long term vision at the same time.
2: And that's incredibly hard. I mean, you know, yeah. I um, made made a very uh, tough vote um, uh, a little bit ago for um, not authorizing a library on the east side that's desperately needed. Um, the council disagreed with me, and uh, the majority did pass it. Um, but when you looked at like the operating costs of building a new facility, um, it, it's obviously incredibly hard to say no to a library, especially needed library. Um, but I. You know we're going to have to make some incredibly tough decisions, and I mm-hmm. think as we you know look at um, what choices we're making today, we really need to think about absolutely what does that mean um, a few years down the road. Um, but that that, that that is very difficult in our position to do absolutely. that.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Keith, let's talk about some of the things that are being funded and and the priorities that um, the city council has. I want to talk about public safety and CARES expansion. That really has been a passion um, and a project that's been going on for a couple of years. And um, can you tell us more about it and what the expansion looks like?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, CARES is uh, stands for the, the Madison's Community Alternative Response Emergency Service. Um, it's run in conjunction with the fire department. And the idea is that we send... Um, uh, uh, social workers um, to um, appropriate cases. So rather than send an armed officer, police officer, it's uh, appropriate, we'll we'll go ahead and send a social worker. And um, that started in uh, 2021 Um, and the budget last year, um, I was pretty insistent that we continue to um, fund increases in CARES and luckily was able to get an amendment passed. And I was really pleased that the mayor and her executive budget um, not only kept um, the spending that we had, but also increased it. And so this program started just as a a trial in downtown Madison for only eight hours a day, five days a week. it's, it's since expanded citywide. It's added a second location and uh, increased service to 12 hours a day. Um, and uh, in 2023, in this proposed budget, it's gonna go from seven days a week, 12 hours a day, um, and, and continue to uh, help uh, meet community uh, mental health needs.
0: Well, and what I... I love about this program is that it's in conjunction with the fire department. I think that's a small little thing that people might not notice, but so many of these programs are in conjunction with police department and in conjunction with the sheriff department. And that this is con- in, you know, collaborating with the fire department and the work that the Madison fire department did to sort of step up and say, we'll be an organization to to lead this is really unique. And I think speaks to part of the success of this program.
2: I agree. It's fantastic. Um, you know, I think uh, um, the, the leadership of the fire department has been great. And, um, you know, I've had police officers a, a while ago say to me, why are you sending us into situation X, Y, and Z? Yeah. And, you know, even they they recognize that that whether they want it to be escalating or not, it does escalate, um, you know, certain situations. And, um, you know, I think showing people that, you uh, you know, there isn't one solution to every problem, and we shouldn't put everything on the backs of our police officers, um, I think, has, has been successful, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing this program continue to expand.
0: And I think there's a lot of um, street safety and violent pre- violence prevention and quality of life um, issues here. Can you d- talk to us a little bit about those proposals as well?
2: Sure. Um, So uh, we're going to continue to fund um, a violence prevention team in in the public health department, um, which uh, does evidence based work uh, aimed at reducing violence in the community. Um, I think we're really, you know, I don't need to tell you this carousel, but I mean, you know, when it comes to public safety, it isn't just obviously police and fire. Um, There's, you know, public health plays a huge role in that. Um, And, you know, I think that's really been kind of the goal with. our, our budget and, and the, the decisions recently is to tell people that, you know, there is no one way to solve problems. And frankly, when you, um, you know, invest money in the root causes, um, of, of why people get in trouble, whether, um, you know, uh, you know, for example, creating opportunities for youth, um, is a big part of the budget. Um, you know, uh, making sure we have mental health services like cares, et cetera, um, you know, supporting community partners, I think is a really big part in, um, you know, making, making our community safer.
0: I love, I love when we're having a conversation about public safety, all the programs that we're talking about, it isn't about more police on the street. It's like, if we care about public safety, then we're going to fund care. then we're going to fund you know public health, we're going to fund violence prevention. I think that this really shows the vision of the city council and, and the mayor's office to to acknowledge that's how you solve problems and reduce any concerns in the community. It's great. Yeah, it's great. Absolutely. Talk to us about um, I love that you touched on uh, the reproductive health that's happening with public health. Uh, Just a lovely, you know, a a small nugget in in the in the budget, but I think a great response to what's happening with the lack of abortion um, and reproductive health access in Wisconsin.
2: Yeah, the, the, the 2023 budget includes um, uh, $475,000 to dollars to expand uh, staffing and hours um, to provide uh, more comprehensive services in public health uh, Madison Dane County's reproductive health clinics. Um, and that includes, you know, meeting an anticipated increase for demand uh, for uh, long-acting reversible contraceptives uh, that provide uh, a long-term pregnancy prevention. Um, we did pass a, you um, uh, an amendment, uh, at the finance committee on Monday that will also, um, uh, fund, um, uh, uh for lack of a better term, and I apologize, you know, it's, it's, it's a, co- it, uh, it's a coordinator to help people figure out their options. Yeah. It's gotten a lot harder, um, to figure out, um, you know, uh, reproductive options on, you know, whether it be, um, an abortion or, or not, um, and, um, that funding i think will will help um provide those those desperately need services
0: yeah not just to figure out where you can get these services but then how to get them and and what what is required to access them yeah it's really gotten a lot more complicated than it used to be yeah
2: it never was an easy decision and it's, it's definitely a lot more complicated now and so whatever resources we we you know can provide to make that um easier um that's what we're trying to do
0: fantastic fantastic um Talk to us a little bit. You, we keep mentioning the, the meeting that just happened on Monday night um, where the city council um, leadership got to look at some of the budget amendments. Can you talk to us about it seemed like the top budget amendments. Um, I want to talk about two of them. One was about increasing council members pay. And Keith, we did a radio show just last week about... Um, it was in particular focusing on women in uh, government. And part of the conversation was government's just not accessible to women. And and of course, that conversation can be bigger than that of when people have financial responsibilities and local government doesn't really pay an amount that allows them to participate. I just so I'm just going to put in a plug here of I really appreciate um, efforts to increase the pay for city council so that more individuals can be involved and afford to be an elected official on the city council level. Talk to us about that proposal.
2: Yeah, I appreciate being able to talk about this. So, um, the city launched, um, a, um, uh, several years ago, um, an, a, a committee that looked at the government structure. It was mm-hmm. called TFOGS, Task Force on, on Government Structure. And, um, Really worked with the community to try to figure out different ways to to make our government more accessible, and they looked at our form of government, all sorts of very geeky technical stuff. But one of the the strong things that came out of that is the current system doesn't work. We're not we're not doing a good enough job um, addressing uh, inequality in our community as well as getting more people involved. And one of those recommendations was to put out um, um, a referendum um, to change the job of alder into full time and also have less members. Yes. Um, The the council decided to do a non-binding referendum to kind of get the pulse of the community on that, and there are lots of discussions on whether or not the questions um, were helpful or not, Um, but one of the things we heard is um, the majority of people didn't want to see the council go full-time. Um, it really got technical. It, it, it got kind of uh, down to a discussion of should should alder be a, a professional position? Um, we don't like the idea of professionalizing um, alders, um, which I struggle with because it's either a hobby or it's a profession. Um, you know, we shouldn't be treating what we do as a hobby. Um, but but yeah, we 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 heard that and we heard that there wasn't a lot of uh, um, uh, buy-in from the community to do full time. And so instead, what we looked at with this um, amendment um, was. The city does look at um, alders working a certain amount of hours a week, and that estimate is about 20 hours a week. Um, You can talk to some of my colleagues who tell you that's about right. You could talk to other colleagues who said they're easily spending a ton more than that, and there are all sorts of exercises. Yeah, there's all sorts of exercises you can do on, you know, trying to survey that and figure that out. And we said, you know what? Let's not play with that number. Let's 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 assume it's 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 20 hours a week the hourly rate alders get paid is $13 and 77 cents an hour if it's based on 20 hours. Mm. And so the salary, the annual salary of an alder is $14,904 and it's an absurdly low number. Um, you have to be privileged to be able to to do this job and spend that kind of time. Um, and also, you know, be able to pay rent, to pay mortgage, you know, um, take care of your kids, et cetera. And so you'll find obviously, you know, almost all Alders are either retired or they have another job um, that pays them well and has flexibility that lets them do the job. And so what we looked at is um, all sorts of different stuff um, uh, when it came to pay. So um, uh, Alder Foster um, had put together um, a whole, chart of different salaries to consider, hourly salaries, um, you know, living wage, $15 an hour, living wage with two working adults and one child, um, the city of Madison, minimum pay. So all sorts of different numbers. And we ultimately settled on putting out a proposal for the city of Madison mean um, of, of our employees. And that was $34.80 an hour. And so that was the basis of our amendment. Um, we weren't positive, uh, to be quite frank, if that was the right number. Um, I, I will tell you that that was lower than what TFOG suggested for the hourly rate of, uh, of the full-time position, which would have been 80% of AMI for a family of three, which is about 38.70 now, $38.70 an hour. And so our proposal was for uh, $38.80, but we really wanted to spark discussion. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, you know, as we talk about a structural deficit, I'll be quite honest, um, I, I think as much economic diversity that we could have on our council is important. Um, you know, if we're talking about, you know, what our leaf collection should be or what our investments are in homeless services, um, I, I want diversity of opinion in that discussion, and I don't think you get that. Um, without compensating people fairly for this job. And so, you know, this isn't a hobby. Um, you know, I've heard that, you know, people just say, hey, you know, it's, you're, 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 you're practically volunteering. It's your civil, you know, it's a public duty. And, and I think that's well, well and fine in, in, until you realize that we really are excluding a, a big chunk of our population by saying we're paying you $13.77 to do this job.
0: Right, and and the incredibly important work that you do that makes a difference in so many of the things in our daily lives, from where the libraries are to trash pickup, to to parks, to public safety, to the police department, it's so, it, 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 I would say, it impacts everyone's life on a daily basis, sometimes more than other levels of government because it is just the core of where you live.
2: Yeah, I, that's what I've always said about local politics. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing that impacts you more in your daily life yeah. um, that, than, than, than this. And I think, you know, we, we definitely, I definitely want to see a diverse, a diverse group of people that are able to do this, and I just don't feel like the current um, compensation structure makes that possible.
0: Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that amendment. So thanks for explaining it to us and helping us understand the thought process that goes forward. Um, I mean, win or lose, I think that the fact that it's starting this conversation that is such an important conversation to be have uh, to be had is 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 already a victory in that sense. Um, I
2: appreciate that. Agreed.
0: And I want to talk a little bit, Keith, about the capital budget. Um, can we talk about. First of all, all the affordable housing efforts that you're doing, and the money that's going into the homeless shelter. Talk to us about uh, the works on that end.
2: Yeah, um, so you know, our, our capital budget is is is, is uh, the executive capital budget is, is certainly pretty high. Um, I think it might be the highest ever. Um, we've we've been hit with inflation, and um, you know, city projects are are certainly dealing with that. And, some decisions made on on when to get things done. But um, I really am proud of um, the the affordable housing um, dollars that are in there. Um, you know, we have uh, for development projects um, and, and the, uh, over um, the whole 2023 to uh, uh, 2028, um, uh, 48.3 million um, affordable housing, um, consumer lending uh, at, 70, at 7.3 million and land banking at 6 million. Trying to pull up some of my figures um but but steadily over the you know the last uh you know the, the mayor will say you know uh, since, since she started um and I started just a little bit before that. Um, there's just been an incredible rapid increase in, in our housing, uh, our um, funding for affordable housing. I mean, it's pretty remarkable when you look at um, the city's success with affordable housing funding. Um, they've been able to really leverage city dollars to get a lot more dollars from other, other um, places, such as you know uh, state and federal um, tax credits. Um, but that's gotten harder, um, and our need has not um, has not gone away. Um, mm-hmm. If anything, it's obviously accelerating. And so, um, you know, this this budget, um, both the capital and operating, really show a commitment to you know trying to figure out the best way um, to to increase um, affordable housing options in Madison, um, and. Well, we have to continue to work at it uh, because uh, it's very, 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 very hard um, for us to, you know, um, get to where we need to be. But we got to keep trying.
0: It's so tricky because this is, on some level, an issue that really isn't within the hands of government, and yet it's so admirable. I feel the efforts that the government is, the city is making to try and, you know, be a player in the affordable housing conversation because it's so desperately needed.
2: Yeah, and staff has just been so incredibly creative. And as I said, really leveraging funds from other places and really making um, our contributions go incredibly far. Um, but, you know, this, whether, whether we want to be involved in that or not, it's, it's obviously incredibly important for us to be involved.
0: Yeah, yeah. Talk to us about transportation. And I know we've talked on this show about bus rapid transit and the whole redesign. And I've, I've mentioned on this show, my husband works for Madison Transit, so I know way too much. And yet mostly have no idea what I'm talking about. Right. Right. One of those things where you know too much, but you also know too little because it's not my day job. Um, but talk to us about the funding for uh, bus rapid transit.
2: Yeah, so it's really exciting. So the bus rapid transit project will will uh, finally start construction and kick off um, next year. Um, and that's in the budget. Um, that's been a project that's been in the works for for a very long time. Um, and in the last few years we've been um, you know, progressing that we were able to get um, a, a, an incredible amount of federal funding for that that really helped make it a reality. It um, will have electric buses, which is very exciting. Um, and make it much more convenient um, for people to use uh, public transportation. Um, you know, you really, you know, there's a there's a whole equation that, you know, whether or not people think about it too hard about whether or not they're going to take the bus to work. Um, and it's certainly gotta be um, cheaper and more convenient. Um, you know, people's time is valuable um, and, you know, they wanna get to work, uh, you know, as quickly as possible and, and do their job and get back to their families. And the bus rapid transit really sets us up um, and it's just the first route. Um, Uh, east to west um, to uh, have priority lanes, um, priority signaling, and to make it a lot quicker and easier um, to take the bus um, to to your destination downtown or on the east side or the west side, um, uh, you know, in in, in a much more realistic way. Um, there, There will be Work. we're starting to already talk about a uh, north-south route which is exciting um, there's there's planning dollars um, that's going into that um, but I really do think uh, you know as uh, our transportation director has said we can't we can't build more lanes to our roads and our we continue to grow as a city um, we know what the solutions are which is better trans- public transportation um, you know continue our investment in our, our bicycle infrastructure um, because we have to figure out ways to encourage people to use alternative modes than just their car.
0: Yeah, well, and I, pr- I appreciate the forward thinking that's happening on the city council level. So in our, our final minutes here with you, Keith, talk to us about how people can get involved. If they have some thoughts or, or want to voice support or support or opposition to anything that's before the city council, what are opportunities for them?
2: Great. Yeah. Um, so uh, at this point, um, the finance committee has 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 done its work on the uh, executive budget. Um, there were amendments, uh, as we talked about a little bit earlier on on Monday. But um, now the whole budget goes to the council, and so the first um, hybrid. Um, budget meeting will be on Tuesday, November 15th. Um, That meeting does take place at the city county building in room 201 and we will also, um, like we've done with all of our hybrid meetings this year, provide Zoom access as well. So if you wanted to register, you just go to the cityofmadison.com website and look for meetings. Um, I I suggest people mail their alders. Um, You know, you go to cityofmadison.com slash council, find out who your alder is, let them know um, what you think about the budget. You could also check out the budget pretty easily, cityofmadison.com slash budget. Um, The budget is there. Um, I just posted yesterday um, a very long post that summarizes um, some of the things we've talked about today. Um, It's something that I do every year. I did it a little bit earlier to be ready for today, Um, but it does have links to all sorts of all the meetings that have taken place, the amendments that have been considered, and and the future path of the budget, Um, and you could check that out at uh, District 19, so you go to the council website and find that.
0: Well, and I appreciate that. I'll put a plug in for everyone to see that because I read it this morning as I was preparing for our conversation. So thank you for all the efforts that you've put into to this. Um, sort of any final thoughts on the challenges of the budget and, and what we can expect to see in the next few weeks?
2: No, I you know, I think I, you know I uh, it's interesting because the time you know by the time we reach uh, the 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 budget discussion at this point we really are talking about small pieces of the budget because so much of it has been put together and so much of it is solidified by cost of continued services, um. But I expect there to be um, you know uh, amendments at our meeting on the 15th, including okay. uh, we not get a chance to talk about you know whether or not we're going to continue to fund the public market. I do talk about uh, that in my blog yep, post. Yep. Um. And, and, you know, but, I, you know, I also, you know, very much, um, uh, you know, want people to be aware that they're going to be, we're going to have to have a lot of hard conversations as a community on what our priorities are um, in future budgets, because um, it, it, it continues to be incredibly hard to balance the budget.
0: Well, it's been fabulous with uh, talking with you today, Keith. Thank you so much for joining us and all your hard work. And um, yeah, we'll see you at the next Zoom meeting.
2: Thank you for having me, Carousel.
0: Have a great day. You too. Keith Furman, president of the Madison Common Council, talking to us about the City of Madison 2023 budget. And I want to... Thank again uh, our two guests, Keith Furman, as we just mentioned, and Joe Parisi, Dean County Executive. I um, really appreciate everyone listening to these conversations. I, I get uh, excited about it every year to make sure that we're focusing on the great work being done on our city and county levels. Um, so it's just been great to talk about all that work. And I want a huge, huge thank you to Megan for engineering, Jade for producing, Shali, our news director, Mary Jo for staffing the phones. Thank you, everyone for listening. We will be back next week with a roundup of the elections. That means that everyone has to remember to go out and vote so we can have a fabulous election results and have fabulous election roundup conversation next week. We'll see you again next week, everyone. Bye-bye.